Solve the World, a fictional adventure told in 100 episodes. This week, episode 19, Aboard the Orion. Welcome aboard the Orion, young love, said the ship's skipper, Captain Alfred Bacon. I am to be your dutiful and always punctual, energetic, perhaps a wee frivolous, Captain Alf. At your service, young love. And let me just say, it is very fine to have another young lady on board. Indeed. I'm pleased to meet you, Captain Alf. Jen reached out to shake the jolly older man's hand, but rather than shake, the captain bowed at his midpoint. It was an impressive feat. Jen found it curious how a man of the captain's girth and age could manage such a bendy posture. Everyone, yes, yes, everyone minus one Sir Isaac and one lizard has gone ashore to fetch themselves some urban grub. You and I, then, may slop something together in the cabin, and we can go over the lay of the land and make sure that, indeed, this'll all be a jolly good fit for you as well as the rest of us. Come one, come all, right? Huh? Huh? The white-bearded, bald-headed captain caressed his facial extension in sudden contemplation. Hmm. That's... that's not quite right, is it? Jen snickered. She admired the voracious energy of this man. Jen was hoping to find a good leader that she could get behind once Lilith set her heart aflutter with the vision of the expedition. Oh, oh, for goodness sakes! It's not come one, come all. It's all for one, one for all. That's the ticket. Alexander Dumas, how could I commit this vicious injustice against you? I beg your sincere apologies. Captain Alf pulled out a crucifix hanging underneath his buttoned-up shirt, kissed it lovingly, and set his eyes upon the clouds as if earnestly praying to the ghost of the three musketeers. Returning his gaze upon Jen, the captain motioned for Jen to move about the ship. After you, my love. My name's Jennifer. Jennifer Free, but I just go by Jen. Yes, 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 of course, that's your name. Take it all in, young love. Take in every nook and cranny. This'll be your salvation, your damnation, all wrapped in one. That bow that looks so awe-inducing now will be your point of humiliation soon enough. The mysterious cabin below will inevitably metamorph into a hauntingly unbearable Isle of Claustrophobia. Isle of Claustrophobia? Really? Quite right, quite right, shall we venture inward? After you, Captain. Jen was enjoying this overly ceremonial dance. Alf began to descend before suddenly stopping in his tracks. Oh, oh, my dear love, one thing I must say, and one thing you must hear with all your concentration and cunning of will. Do you hear me? Aye, aye, Captain. Jen couldn't help but snicker. Ah, yes, so, Elizabeth Schumacher. More affectionately known to the crew of the Orion as one... Miss Lizard. Yeah? You see, I mean, of course, you will see immediately, but, but, uh, you, uh, you will see, you, you see that, yes, Captain, clearly the verbose leader needed some help. What is it that I will see, exactly? <sighs> yes, yes, 
Spot on, spot on. Are you able to recall the man by the name of John Merrick? No. Darn it, woman! You ought to refer to me as Skipper, Captain, or if you can't recall such high honors, a mere sir will do. You hear me? The sudden unraveling of the captain's jovial demeanor was disconcerting, but Jen decided to lap it up to his uncomfortableness regarding this John Merrick character. She'd continue to play the game deftly, for now. I'm sorry, that is, I mean to say, no, Captain. Good, quite right, good. That's, that's much better, young love. Very good, very good indeed. You are doing fine. Nothing to worry about here. Yes, Captain. I only mean to say, as a means of respect and such, that you... I mean... I mean to suggest that you act appropriately when you meet Lizard. Is that understood? An honest answer would be absolutely not understood. Jen had no concept of what the Captain meant. What was appropriate? The nearest guess Jen had was that Lizard, a.k.a. Elizabeth Schumacher, was indeed a bona fide reptile. Maybe it was the ship's mascot? Nevertheless, Jen went with it. Understood, sir. Very good, very good. The captain seemed relieved. He pivoted, took another step, and just as abruptly as before, stopped again. Oh, yes, you must not take Sir Isaac's composure as an insult. He acts that way to everyone. He spun around again, only to hesitate and spin right back around. He won't tell you, so I might as well. His name is Timothy Isaac. He's a very, 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 very focused and studious mathematician or trigonometrist or something of that ilk. But like I said, he'll never tell you any of that. He'll never tell you anything. He's just here. If it were up to me, I'd have him walk the plank for insurrection, but in these dark times, a captain doesn't have the will of the people in the palm of his hand like he once did, like he once should. And with that, they descended into the cabin. The schooner, built mostly by hand by an eccentric retired Navy officer and commissioned seaworthy by him in 1961, was refurbished immaculately in 2009. If Lizard hadn't drawn all Jen's eyes on her, then the exquisite woodwork of the cabin would have. Amidst the rather spacious center hall was a long, half-centered, plush bench seat. In the coming weeks, the bench would remind Jen of Da Vinci's Last Supper, as all 10-plus crew members could rather comfortably sit on the bench and eat off the rectangular dinner table at once. But for now, all attention was paid toward the demon lounging in the center of the cabin. Jen's first impression of utter revulsion was unconcealable. A vicious compulsion to vomit welled and gagged in Jen's throat as she beheld the atrocity spooning mashed potatoes into a hole at the far right of its head. I'm a lizard, but I go by lizard. The beast said cordially to Jen. You're very pretty. What's your name? Jen raged against every instinct of her screaming to run away and managed to speak with a hushed monotone. I'm Jen. Everyone calls me Jen. I have elephantitis. Don't be scared. Don't be cruel. This is who I am. The arm which Lizard used to pantomime ended not in fingers but a flat flap, as if God gave this woman a pancake for a hand. Or rather, as if someone melted down a hand into a flat glob of bones and tissue. You were born this way? Jen said at a level of astonished whisper. No, not quite like this. 
As I've matured, many things have changed. It was clearly hard for Lizard to speak, but Jen thought she caught a chuckle in her tone. Have you met the others yet? Just you and I so far, my lady, Captain Alf butted in. When on duty, you'll find Miss Lizard manning the helm, steering our old gal. Due to the nature of Lizard's, uh, formation, it's dangerous, well, uh, difficult, to say the least, for her to do the types of jobs that come as necessity to the rest of us. So it works out that she can turn our wheel most deftly. A word to the wise, Lizard said to Jen, ignoring the captain. Don't bother to learn people's names. Just learn their wants, and that'll be satisfactory. We're all just a bunch of stereotypes. Oh, really? Jen said. She was thankful Lizard was bringing a conversational topic to the table. She didn't know what to ask her, and all she could think about was whether or not Lizard's skin was made out of clay, and whether her nose, ears, and various bumps could pop right off, or be rubbed out like day-old semi-hardened Play-Doh. But this matter of stereotypes put Jen at ease a bit. She knew stereotypes. All her recent adventures could be diagrammed as a series of brush-ins with obscure stereotypes. From the fat mob boss, to the old eccentric artist, to the fraud boyfriend, to the jealous roommate, to the man behind the curtain. Or rather, as it came to pass in the form of Lilith Babbitt, woman behind the curtain. So, what's your want? Lizard cleared her throat before answering in full. I'm sublime. Then there's math, forgiveness, creatures, miracles... Legacy, power, and immortality. Now you. And next week we get another back. Ten plus one, right, boss? Yes, yes, my lady, ten plus one. That's always been the goal, said the captain. Jen turned her attention to the old man. So which one are you, sir? Oh, hogwash, you don't believe any of that, my love, do you? Come, come, why don't you meet Sir Isaac? Or at least... Try. Jen followed the captain left, down a narrow hallway. We've got four rooms for sleeping. The gentleman in one, myself in first, that is, the first mate in another, the ladies' cabin of which you'll be a part of down here at the end, and Sir Isaac, for reasons that can never be understood, gets his own room. He knocked on the door in the midst of the hallway on the left side. No answer. Well, all right, we've done our due diligence. Why don't you go in and have a peeksy? Uh... Me? You're not coming in? Now, now, you're the greenie. Greenies gotta learn the ropes for themselves. Go ahead, go in. He won't bite. He never takes a bite. Of anything. Jen was a little afraid that this next character might indeed bite. After Lizard, Jen wondered if the Orion was meant to be a freak show. That was a disconcerting thought. Come one, come all, to marvel at the 10 plus 1 freaks of the high seas, coming to NBC this fall. Pushing that thought aside, Jen nudged herself into the room. It was dark with no windows, just a little desk lamp and a man hunched over, scribbling notes on a page, fully unaware of Jen's intrusion. Uh, hello? No answer. Hello? Hi. I'm Jennifer. Jennifer Free. But you can just call me Jen. Nothing. What's your name? In a barely audible voice, a reply. I'm coming quite close to a breakthrough. I'd appreciate it very much if you'd let me be. I'm sure I'll meet your acquaintance more formally at a later time. Good day.
Oh boy, Jen said to herself as she exited the room. She had only been aboard the Orion for two minutes, and so far she'd met what seemed to be a bipolar captain, a severely deformed person called Lizard, and a man who refused to take two seconds to meet a new crew member. This was a precarious start, to say the least. Captain Alf and Jen joined Lizard on the bench while Jen was given the basic protocol of the voyage. As a member of the Orion, Jen was under the direct authority of the captain. If disputes grew to a level of either mutiny or physical endangerment, then Lilith Babbitt was available to intercede. She was the end of the line. Beyond that, there was an arsenal of maritime rules, regulations, and knots to learn. It was explained to Jen that she, having no tangible way to go about her goal of solving the world, was to find her answer experientially, and therefore would not be given an allowance during the day to work on special projects, as most other members of the crew were entitled to. She was to be ship-hand all the live-long day. She would learn the ropes fast, and her greenness would recede ever more towards a ruddy hue of expert seamanship. When Jen inquired as to what these special projects were, Lizard gave a swift response. The Orion is a destiny ship. Do you know what that means? It means we've been tasked by the auspices of Miss Lilith Babbitt to make a great discovery. In doing so, we'll bring more fame to her name. We then, as one unit, are striving to bring her glory. And it just so happens that each of us has a different means by which we seek to attain this glory. I don't get it, Jen admitted. It means, Captain Alf piped in, that it doesn't matter what it is that we discover. Only that we discover. Oh, Lizard continued to clarify. Lilith believes that thinking is best done in a focused environment. The ship is the focus. It confines the mind to a certain framework. It's her belief that in locking us into a constant state of adventure, she's nursing the very best out of us. Jen was given three days to rest up. Lilith had set Jen up with a security guard at a hotel outside the main stretch of Vegas. Jen mostly slept the time away. She felt like she could have used another week or so of R&R, but she had a direct flight to San Francisco where she was to meet up with this ragtag bunch of genius explorers. The hustle and subsequent uneasy meet-and-greet had left Jen fatigued, easily equipped to sleep for a few more days straight. Politely, then... Jen asked if she could go to bed and meet up with the rest of the crew in the morning. The captain thought this was a swell idea and showed her to her top bunk above Lex's bed, whoever she was. Oh, and one more thing, Captain said, pulling Jen aside from her bed. The rest of us, well, you see, we've just been through a hell of an experience. A hell of an experience. A hell of an experience. It's just that, well, to put it mildly, things got heated for a while. Yes, things were quite hot. Well... Actually, no, not, not not really. We neared the North Pole, so obviously things weren't literally hot at all. It, it, it was bone-chillingly cold. All the time! But internally, yes. That is what I mean to say. Internally, there was a lot of hot stuff. Hot stuff, yes. Like, hot strife stuff. Ha! Hot strife! I like that. That's a good turn of phrase, if I don't say so myself. How about a fresh-brewed pot of hot strife coffee, eh? 
What? The captain made a sheepish, you get it, right, type look. What? What happened up north? You said. Jen was trying to yank the captain back on track. Ah, yes. Well, we were so far north, so obviously, you can imagine, we were so cold, as anyone could imagine, things things just, just got rough. We were cold, and we were hungry, so it just it became bone-chillingly, bone-breakingly, bone-obliteratingly clear that things weren't going as according to plan. Okay? Yes, well, then, yes, well, good, then, okay. Good night, young love. Wait, what, uh, what? I, d- I didn't quite get the story there. I don't think I get it. You seem to say that a lot, young love. Either you're quite dim-witted, or you don't know what that phrase means. Ignoring the insult, Jen pushed on. What was the point? All this about your last adventure, going to the North Pole. I didn't say that. I did not say we went to the North Pole. I never said that. I said we neared the pole. Just close by. That's all I meant by that. As a means of direction. For you. To explain. To help you understand. Okay, sure. But... Was there something in the story that you need me to know? Kind of sounded like it. Ah, right. Well, then, uh, a very perceptive little lady you are. I bet you'll get on smashingly well with Miles Faw when you meet him. Who? Oh, who am I kidding? A girl like yourself all boxed up with the likes of us and him along for the ride? You never even had a chance. He'll bundle you to himself before we set off south wind. Uh, what, what, what now? <laughs> oh, never mind that, you young lover. What I mean to say in all this hootie-hoo? Well, lemony snicket, what do I mean to say? Ah, just that we're glad you're here. If nothing else, just for the sake of new blood. You know how it goes. Spin the center of power a bit on its axis. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Spin the axis on its... Ah, uh, yes, I... I guess you really don't know. The skipper paused, examining his thoughts. Well then, another time then. Good night. Good night. Jen found her bunk bed and slept before she allowed a moment's reflection. The night since her fortunate encounter with Lilith Babbitt all ended the same. Every night, each pre-dawn dream brought forth the same ruddy image. It always started with the same room Jenna dreamed of seemingly every night of her life. Gray walls. Gray walls. Gray walls. But now, since Las Vegas, since Magical Kingdom, a transparency. One wall shimmered, bled through. It was like a wall of transparency paper suited for an old slide projector. And on the other side, two figures. Thomas Flesher O'Malley and his inherited sister of the streets, Tiff. Flesher stayed quiet. He just stood there on the other side of that wall, his head bent low. Sometimes, as Jen peered at the boy in the way that one looks at someone without seeing the way of dreaming, he changed. Cartoonishly, he morphed into some sort of creature. A man with a twisted face, rounder, and his eyes. They were slitted. It was grotesque, 
and the grotesque flusher snarled like a Cheshire cat, only more hideous. But Jen's attention never remained on the flusher abstraction. No, it was Tiff who demanded Jen's subconscious stare. Focused, all of Jen's soul focused in, not merely at Tiff as a whole, but more finely, more exactly, more expectantly, at Tiff's lips. Those lips were priming to speak, to release something, a deep truth, or a deep question. Tonight, unlike the evenings prior, Jen was awoken before her dream reached its pinnacle of devastation. A grisly sight welcomed Jen. The distorted mug of Elizabeth Schumacher the Lizard. I need to ask you something. What? Where's the highest place? Uh, Elizabeth... Call me Lizard. Okay. Okay, Lizard, I'm asleep. Can't we talk about this in the morning? Answer the question. Where's the highest place? Uh, I don't know. Mount Everest? No. Think better. Where's the highest place? Okay. Pretty sure Mount Everest is the highest place on Earth. No, stupid. Think higher. Liz, is there something you want to tell me? Don't call me that. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm just really tired. I haven't had much sleep recently, and you kind of woke me up here. What's higher than the mountains? There's no getting out of this. Whoever Elizabeth Schumacher was, she was not someone who could be bowled over by sympathy. She clearly had no care for Jen's comfort. She needed something, she needed it now, and she needed it out of Jen. Hey, pay attention, listen, answer. What's higher than the mountains? Jen's mind drifted to Leviathan. What if she wasn't just big? What if she was massive? What if her measurement eclipsed the mountains? What if Godzilla was just an egg next to her? Jen focused on upsizing her leviathan. She thought briefly of the ziz, the bird so large its wingspan blotted out the sun. Jen imagined being in a rowboat all alone on a breezy overcast day. She envisioned suddenly a wall jutting out into the heavens beside her rowboat. Up and up, water falling off her hide as big as tidal waves. This colossus too big for this earth, this leviathan. You've got it, don't you? Lizard said. Excuse me? Your eyes went up and to the right. You were picturing it. Tell me. It's nothing. Lizard drew her mug closer to Jen's fair skin. It wasn't just that Lizard's face looked like a Picasso on steroids. The space where her face was was a miasma of red sores, flakes, and permanent measles. It was a grotesquerie. There was no way to make it pleasant. It was a face lacking any redemptive qualities. Lizard's shell of a body was proof alone that the world was unjust. Nature had proven not to be a benign mistress to mankind. Tell me, Jennifer Frey. Tell me now. I saw... Leviathan. Leviathan? Yeah, that's what I saw. Lizard turned and began to hobble away. Wait, was that the right answer? What did you want me to say? 
There was more desperation in Jen's voice than she herself expected. It doesn't matter. Then why'd you ask? You can't help me. For some time, Jen lay in her bed, trying to sort out the meaning of this late-night encounter. What's the highest place? Did Lizard mean the stars? The sun? The ends of the cosmos? What could possibly be the right answer? Thinking on this, Jen once more brought up the vision of her in a rowboat witnessing the Leviathan Albatross arise from the deep like a planet ascending into the universe proper. Leviathan wasn't a bad answer. If only Lizard could see her like Jen saw her. Then she'd understand. Maybe then she'd agree. Before the mix and mingle that the morrow brought, before the myriad introductions that were to follow under the coastal blue sky, Jen finished her sleep, and it always ended the same. Tiff's lips, white as stone, beside the ghoulish outline of flusher, purse, and say... Why are we dead, Jennifer? Begin of the eighth test. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Solve the World is produced by myself, Dante Stack. You can find appropriate attribution for all the music and sound effects found in this episode and every other episode of Solve the World at our website, DanteStack.com, on our show notes page. Hi. I'm Rebecca from Holden, Alberta, Canada. I've listened to all 100 episodes of Jen's story. We've now begun the next chapter of Jen's adventures. She's already met three of her crewmates on the Orion. Soon she'll meet six more. Take heart and get to know these characters. Jen's stuck with them now, come hell and high water. Choose your favorite, root for them. But beware, there's a traitor amidst their ranks. Mind your step, next time on Solve the World. (laughs) 